Welcome to Geeks and Crowns, a monthly game club where we play games and brew a good conversation together. I'm your host, Jenny Windham. And I'm Joel Thomas. Welcome to another episode where we basically recreate the cafe-like atmosphere of your favorite coffee shop and talk about video games. <laughs> How are you doing today, Joel? I'm just, you know, scatting around, making my own little cafe-style music so that as we hang, it's like... I'm bringing in I'm bringing back the Wii theme song but as like cafe chill vibes Honestly, I think that's what we've all been waiting for there is a lo-fi playlist that has there are a couple that have that and I love it the Wii the Wii theme is very good it's so satisfying uh yes but you know we're we are a book club here to talk about video games um <laughs> instead of books so, yeah, so why like not a video have a, game a club. chill cafe vibe yeah exactly i actually do have coffee today just standard basic coffee but it's almost almost gone um been sipping on it throughout today uh so it's more it's like i should probably put ice in it at this point because it's kind of just like room temperature coffee but i never <laughs> i just i never drink it fast enough to have it be hot the whole time so yeah i don't know i'm gonna get like a a coffee warmer mug for you but not like the fancy electrical ones it'll be like a coal powered oh my coal powered steam powered (laughs) yeah (laughs) actually a steam powered one would make a lot of sense That would be awesome. I used to have a, it was like a little USB thing that it was, it was like the even less of a hot plate than an actual hot plate. So it was mm. supposed to keep your coffee warm. It was so weak. It did not. It kept the mug warm and the coffee inside still got cold. So it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a waste. <laughs> I have looked up electric mugs that you can like put on a, a, a dock and it will like keep itself heated or whatever. And they're like a hundred and twenty dollars. No, oh my gosh, wild to me how expensive they are. Yeah, so I guess I just live in you know I live in olden times when coffee just gets cold, gets (laughs) Gets room temperature, and I'm okay with that. Mm. I guess. I'm so sorry. Uh, Thanks. You know, I try to I try to struggle through it. You know, we all do what we can. But things are heating up this month with our game thirsty suitors. Yes. Maybe yeah. it'll like get you percolating, if you will. That doesn't. That, no, that sounds bad. <laughs> I'm, I take all of that back. I was trying to give us a nice segue, but I apologize. No, I, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we're for folks who are joining for the first time, we are in the midst of playing Thirsty Suitors. So if you'd like to join in, please do pick up the game uh, and you can join the conversation. Well, you're already part of the conversation by listening to the podcast. Uh, but if you'd like to join in uh, on the Discord, you can also talk about the game with the rest of the community in there. And of course, visiting Geekstock geeksandgrounds.com to sign up for the newsletter so you can help be staying on track, seeing all the stuff we talk about, the resources, little pour over, little bits that we give uh, to help supplement the playthrough. But before we dig in to chapters three and four of Thirsty Suitors, because that's what we're going to be talking about today, uh, we're going to dig into the pastry case. Uh, This is our weekly grab bag of topics Usually some sort of industry news, what we're playing, um, and basically what's going on outside of our monthly selection. Uh, We introduced the Steam Next Fest last week, 
And boy, oh boy, did people have games to recommend uh, to play because there were over 1,200 demos available. And y'all came through with the recommendations. So we're going to be sharing some of the recommendations you all suggested in the Discord uh, and talk about some of the games that we played. Um, did you want to kick it off, Joel? Yeah, and a huge shout out to Valis, Linguini, and Kaliste for my contributions to the list. You all uh, gave some killer recs for me while I was trying to find something to play. Um, I gotta say, I see it's on the list. Mouthwashing was a mm -hmm. big uh, win experience for me. Got that horror vibe, a little bit of space exploration vibe. It's got kind of that like spooky old timey energy of like, kind of like when you play Bioshock and things are old timey in a creepy way. It's got a little bit <laughs> of that going for it really enjoyed that one mm -hmm. um and i'm not like a big horror game person so that was a that was a, a nice little a nice little tasty gift for me yeah um, that was you? An, uh i i did play that and i also very much enjoyed it um that one was recommended to me by a friend um, from another podcast i'm a part of called the indie council uh mike he is the horror game aficionado that i always you know if he says something is worth giving a try i will give it a try. And so he pointed out mouthwashing to me and uh, it's first person, which normally I'm not a major fan of. I get really picky with first person mm -hmm. games because especially with horror, like I'm already going to be disoriented because of the view. Am I going to be disoriented because the content makes me just really scared? Um, I really, really loved it. Um, the Steam description says, it's quite straightforward. It says the five crew members of the Tulpar are stranded in the enemy empty reaches of space, shrouded in perpetual sunset. God is not watching. <laughs> uh, so that's just to give you a little bit of what the developers uh, tease us with. Um, I I'm really excited for the full full version. I think you're right. It's very uh, the atmosphere is really well done, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see more. Yes, very much enjoyed that one. And it was outside mm -hmm. of my typical game. So gotta love that. How about you? What's one that stood out to you? Um, oh, gosh. Okay, so I would love to highlight, um, what was it? Crypt, Custo Crypt Custodian, oh. um, which I know you also played as well. Yes, uh, what a delight. I have been looking forward to this for a long time. So I finished the developer's first game, Islets, I think like a year, just about a year and a half, two years almost ago. Um, it's really charming. Islets is a really charming Metroidvania where you play a character that's sort of like just piecing together disparate parts of a once unified uh, island continent mm. in the sky. <laughs> and uh, this game basically takes a lot of the similar stuff in the foundation of that game. Um, it's I, I think it's a different universe. And you are simply just this other cat-like creature <laughs> um, cleaning up the afterlife, kind of in this custodian role. Um, you can see the DNA from the first game. You can see some of the lessons learned in terms of how the the movement and the mechanics work and how this developer has leveled up like in the second game. Just utterly charming. I love a good Metroidvania, and this is just cute and fun and uh, I think has a good hint of some lore and some potential like secrets we'll be able to dig into that I that is a hallmark for why I enjoy Metroidvania so much but yeah what did you think about it 
Yeah, it was just like really satisfying to play. Like yeah. the jumping mechanics were cool. The dashing mechanics felt good. The the swipe with your <laughs> broom that is your weapon, that that mechanic felt good. Like I, a lot of times Metroidvania games like that don't really work for me because mm-hmm. I feel like when you start off, you are so low skill or whatever like you don't have like as many like character strengths at that point that it's really miserable at the beginning and i thought this was like just really fun to play from from the start so yeah, yeah really really big fan of that one and it's a good like what i also love is a reluctant role i guess in any in any mm-hmm. genre any medium and so what really endeared me to this character that you play in particular this sort of cat-like character is you are sort of reluctantly put into this role of janitor for the afterlife so um i think we're gonna see some really fun stuff like it's actually genuinely it's kind of funny in some parts and uh we are gonna see some interesting story elements because of your reluctance and also Mm -hmm. the person who puts you in this role um this afterlife like i don't know boss guardian kendra yeah i don't know um i think there's just some really interesting dynamics there that i'm excited to see um yeah Mm -hmm. what what is next on your recommendations list or what have you played I think so those two were probably my top two I think rounding mm. out for like my third favorite experience was Realm of Ink, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, very much in the vein of uh, Hades, if you played Hades, uh, but more like East Asian focused instead of Greek mythology. The mm-hmm. summary is. Realm of Ink is an ink-style action roguelike game while pursuing the fox demon, the swordswoman, Red, unexpectedly finds that her life is dictated by the destiny within the world of the book. Only by breaking free can she unveil the truth of her existence and challenge the constraints of fate. And uh, there was a, I had a little bit of like glitchiness. I was playing on the Steam Deck um, and mm. these none of these are like approved for Steam Deck yet. So right. it was fine. Um, but the it felt very good in the way that Hades felt very good to me. And I had the same degree of like, Oh, I'm very addicted to this. The same degree of like, wow, these character designs are super hot. Like it just, it was checking all those boxes. And Mm -hmm. then it added in this, like you're in a book lore element. And I was like, "Ah, yeah, you've checked all my boxes. This is great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have not played that one. I'm still, um, as of our, recording right now uh the steam next fest technically is still live basically for this evening so i will be going in and trying as best as i can to finish as many demos and this is on the list so i'm excited that it ended up being good uh, and that you enjoyed it yeah very much so would recommend at this point um so how about you what else is on your list um, the last demo that I wanted to highlight from just what I played personally uh, is Until Then. I think if anyone has checked out the Steam page, probably no surprise. Uh, this game is very much a space for the Unbound. Like you can see sort of a similar mm-hmm. thread there. Uh, it's an adventure game. I believe it's made by folks from the Philippines. Um, so another like Southeast Asian title, which is always exciting to see. I feel like they have it. They have the sentimental heartfelt, like emotional narrative games, like down mm-hmm. on lock. If you want to cry, just like check out what they're they working it. on over in that region because they know they know how to make you feel things. Um, yeah. it, until then is another adventure game where you have these sort of elements of unreliable 
memories um, and sort of this nostalgia that's channeled. And those are two also threads that I love to play with in any medium. Uh, The Steam description says, a fateful meeting sets off a chain reaction, upending Mark's life. People disappear and memories prove unreliable. Uh, Mm. Uncover a hidden truth with Mark and his friends in this narrative adventure and race to unravel the mystery before it's too late. Um, Yeah, I'm so it's beautifully presented. The pixel art is lovely. Um, I just I think it's going to be beautiful and I think it's going to be one of those games that make you cry. Um, They're very explicit. They want it to be about mundane, like highlighting the mundane details in life, uh, but also approach like philosophical themes and um, of love, loss, friendship, grief, all that good stuff. Basically, it's a Jenny game. (laughs) We are definitely tied to these games that play with memory. That is for sure. Maybe we just need to have like memory month where like we try to cram through like all of the memory based games and then also watch like Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind and Memento and whatever else. (laughs) jacket i guess um yeah that's that sounds really engaging mm-hmm. and you enjoy playing through it yeah i enjoyed the demo i'm really looking forward to the full game uh so yeah who knows maybe it's a geeks and crowns title in the future <laughs> it sounds possible uh yeah. speaking of that i should give a shout out uh you last week recommended pepper grinder and duck detective and i did play through those and i will like Check plus, check plus, check plus, totally add on. That was, They were such fun experiences. Yay. Uh, Duck Detective, I think, was like a 15-minute long demo, which is perfect for me. Uh, <laughs> I I just really enjoyed both. So I uh, would highly recommend if you listened to last week's episode. Um, those are definitely worth the time. Yay. Yeah. I, I have not stopped thinking about Pepper Grinder. Uh, the movement in that game, just being able to like drill through the ground which doesn't sound fluid but drilling through the ground and like popping out like a dolphin mm-hmm. is just the coolest feeling ever uh yeah. so i'm really happy that resonated yeah it was very very fun had a Yay. great time um some additional shout outs we won't go too in depth in them but these are some that the community has recommended some that also i played and i think are great mm-hmm. and just in general recommend um indica which was a game about it's like a third person narrative game set in russia um like an alternative russia uh, um where like it's like a religious game sort of Mm. where these like the reality of life clash with religious beliefs um really really interesting very dark uh really interesting aesthetic too like they have 3d um visuals but then sort of like pixel art ui which i found really interesting so yeah really cool stuff and it's by 11-bit studios who's known for sort of darker management kind of uh narrative games like what's uh frostpunk which is great i don't have you played frostpunk i haven't played it i've seen the (gasps) videos of it that sounds really good or looks really good so uh, 11-Bit does really dark stuff, but I've always found them to have really quality titles. So Indica is really good. Um, Death of a Witch, Wish with which the community, wow, Wish and Witch next to each other is really difficult. Rough, Death of rough a nice. Wish, which the community recommended. Um, this has also been on my radar and it's just this striking um, action RPG that deals with a lot of mental health uh, topics mm-hmm. and issues. Mm-hmm the visual style is really scratchy. Like, do you remember, uh, the, 
I don't know what it's called, but I remember in elementary school, we got these like pieces of, they looked like black paper, but you can scratch it. And then it shows like the color underneath. It's like, there's wax on the top. Scratch boards. Is that what it's called? Really? Uh, I mean, that's what they were called when I was in, when I was in school. (laughs) That sounds, that sounds legit to me. Um, And it had like rainbow colors and patterns underneath. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks kind of like if you had a scratch board turned into a game like everything is sort of this negative um sort of space feeling artwork and it's really scratchy and almost harsh and jarring in a lot of ways it's really cool um but death of the wish what yeah death of a wish (laughs) was a community recommendation uh i heard shouts in the discord from folks about aiden uh which was a game oh yeah how did you like it um just to be totally candid probably not for me um it has like some interesting rhythm battle mechanics that i liked the art style was very like um almost stick figure like the character designs were not but the rest of the world was very much like that and that just oh, like isn't quite my thing um but definitely like fun and especially if you like rhythm games i think it's something that would probably be right up your alley nice um, there was also Doodle Adventure of Chameleon, which looked really interesting. That one I hadn't really um, downloaded or thought to try. And so this one was interesting because it's a side-scrolling platformer um, with this like doodle style, very cute doodle style, um, where you play as a chameleon created by a young boy's imagination, which I think oh. is really adorable. And um, let's see, I think... And Roman Sand Rebuild, uh, which I have not played yet. This is on my list to play tonight. I'm very excited. Mm. Um, It's a Serenity Forge game uh, and developed by Arbitrary Magic. And the description just says that it's an apocalypse visual novel simulation horror trip. Uh, And I'm very excited. And this is also one that a couple of folks in the community mentioned um, across email and Discord. So I'm very, very much looking forward to it. And that is, Very I cool. think, that for Steam Next Fest. I will give one more honorable in- mention Ooh, yeah. to uh, Always In My Mind, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, I also played through. Stylistically, uh, it has a, a f- it has a vibe that's similar to, like, if Bramble met Edith Finch, Ooh. crossed with, like, the aesthetics of Cocoon. You're saying um, a lot of good, good words. (laughs) I what I'm going to say is like while I think it was a really interesting. So the premise is like you're a kid, you're I think maybe in a coma, and the story takes place in like chapter four or something like that. So you're you're into the game, and there's an AI that's kind of guiding you through the experience. For me, the visuals of those things when I first started were like really getting me. Like I loved it. And then the more I tried to explore around and figure out what I was actually supposed to do, the more they kind of conflicted with each other in a oh, not super dang. happy way. So I would love to hear if anybody else had a great experience. Maybe I was missing something. So let me know. Get in the comments. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's it for Steam Next Fest. Again, uh, it's always a good chance to hear what y'all are playing uh, and trying out, what you're looking forward to, because that's the goal of Steam Next Fest is to see what's coming up in the next year or so. And really helps me keep an eye on what potential games we could do for Geeks and Grounds. So thank you everyone who offered up some title recommendations and added to my wish list. (laughs) Yes, we love it. We love it. 
uh, for a little bit of good industry news, because we have had a lot of not so great news and announcements with all of the layoffs this year across many, many industries, in industries but especially tech and video games. I think we've had historic uh, layoffs really up until, you know, so far this year. In good news, though, IGN uh, has a Creators Guild that has been formed, and they are currently uniting and petitioning to unionize, which is really exciting. Um, They are... So IGN, for folks who don't follow it, I just realized I don't even remember what IGN stands for. I know it's something gaming... Internet game news. (laughs) I have no idea. Wow. It's so funny because I'm just like IGN is such a sort of journalist pillar in the games industry. And I'm just like, what does it even stand for? Um, I'm trying to Google it. And what does IGN stand for? It says the Imagine Games Network. Imagine that was is, not the word I was. Imagine would not have made my top twenty <laughs> I words to put no. in there. Huh. So the more you know, uh, this is your your vocab, I guess, of the day. Uh, IGN is Imagine Games Network. So the journalists and um, basically employees of IGN have created a guild to unionize. It's really exciting to see, especially considering the hits that games journalism has taken, um, especially with all the conversations about uh, AI being used in games journalism as replacement potentially for journalists. There's this conversation we've had since the summer uh, with the with actors and mm-hmm. with VO artists and all of that. So it's just nice to see. Um, if you're interested, I'll put the link in the show description for signing the petition. Currently, they're just that's the best way to support is signing the petition, showing and indicating that this is something you would also support. Uh, so they can go to their organizers with that um, and going to the bargaining table with that. But uh, it's just a little bit of good news, and I wanted to share that. Uh, on on the topic of pro unions. Um, I was watching just a bit of the Super Bowl last night uh, mm-hmm. so that I could catch the Usher performance. And what I learned while I was watching is that uh, because Paramount Plus was showing it and they also own Nickelodeon, there is a Nickelodeon version of the Super Bowl that is being commentated on by Patrick and SpongeBob. And whenever huh. a rule pops up, Dora the Explorer comes on screen and explains it to you. And whenever a touchdown is scored, like green slime, like digital slime shoots all over the field. And it was like this really exciting thing. It's like, oh, this is so fun. Like I could even enjoy sports in these conditions. Right. And then SpongeBob started talking, making like pro union comments about working for uh, Mr. Krabs. (laughs) I thought that was really spot on. Very interesting. Labor winter, baby. SpongeBob. Interesting. All right. (laughs) The hero I never thought we'd be rooting for right now is SpongeBob being pro union. You love to see it. Wow. Speaking of things you love to see, what have you been getting into over the last week, Jenny? Um, Admittedly, not too much because uh, Ultros, which is one of the games I'm working on, is launching this week. So that is super hectic. And Pacific Drive, another game I'm working on, is launching next week. So a lot of my time has really been spent working, which is not very fun to talk about. But I 
did carve out some time to play the Final Fantasy VII re- Rebirth demo, part one, because they're going to have part two of the demo coming up soon. Uh, and it was amazing. And mm. I actually have contemplated, I request that the launch day of Final Fantasy off. I'm like, I think I'm going to have to expand the window. I'm going to create some wings and get like the day before and the day after, just like take three days off. Because <laughs> I, I think I can this. squeeze it in. I think I have the time. And I'm like, I just want to be able to completely immerse myself because I had a blast with the demo. I thought it was awesome. Uh, you know, it's pretty much if you have played Final Fantasy Remake, not really any change in the graphics. You know, there's still there's still the cheesiness that you will find um, in the, uh, what is it, the dialogue as you're walking around the village and it's a bit on the mm-hmm. nose in a lot of cases and you're kind of like, okay, sure, I, I get it. You have this plot point that's happening and everyone's talking about that plot point. But oh my gosh, it's just continuously an amazing thing to see some of those sets that I played as a kid mm-hmm. on the PlayStation, on the PC. That actually was where I originally played uh, Final Fantasy VII oh. was PC. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing that fully imagined and fully realized is just amazing. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Uh, so Did really, you play just, the piano very much. Oh my gosh, the piano mini game. <laughs> I spent so much time in it. It is so fun. I don't care. I, I didn't even look at what other people are saying about the demo because I'm at this point where I'm like, I don't care if everyone else hates it. I love it. Um, the piano mini game also, if anyone played Chia, which again, like kind of disclosure, I worked on Chia, but this is not me talking with the marketing hat. This is me fan of cool musical instruments and like instrumentation Mm -hmm. in games. In Chia, you use the like joystick to be able to play like different chords uh, of the ukulele. And they took a similar, I mean, maybe they didn't take it from Chia, but they they run with a similar idea where the joystick um, basically is different chords on the piano. And you can like go uh, use the triggers to go like up or down half steps in the progressions. And so oh. you can play and you play songs from Final Fantasy. So in this demo, they have you as Cloud in the piano playing Tifa's theme. Oh, <sighs> And it was so good. And I instantly wanted to bust out my own keyboard and like from the basement, just bring it up so I could play piano mm-hmm. again. And mm-hmm. what they did that was amazing is that as you play, it was a little distracting at first, but once you get used to it and you know it's happening, it's not too bad. If you get combos, like you increasingly get the right chord, right note at the right time, uh, the piano instrumentation becomes increasingly complex. And so it's just beautifully like just you you feel like this maestro on the piano just like go into town if you mess up it goes back to a more of a simple like hey let's just play the most basic like left hand right hand one note on each and so and then everything in between and it was just so cool to feel like you're getting into the flow and literally you're hearing yourself improve as you're getting into the flow I'm so, so excited for that. I haven't gotten yeah. to play this yet. And it's one of the first video clips I saw was somebody playing the piano minigame. And I was like, this looks incredible. And I want to play it right now. <laughs> I will be spending far too much time in that piano minigame. It's good. Um, there are elements, you know, because the demo is 
a flashback scene, which I also thought was really smart of the developers. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, they take one of the flashback scenes that Cloud has at the near the start of the game in the original Final Fantasy. They pulled it out and said, also, if you want to play this in the future, you can. But since you played it in the demo, you can also skip it because you've already played it. So it's nice. They built it as a standalone demo. Um, There are small things that they did that I think weren't my favorite like I think some of the walking pacing <laughs> I was mm. like oh my gosh could we just up this by maybe 50 percent even 25 just let us walk a little yep. faster during some of yep. the more intense moments um and the, the, there's little things but overall awesome I cannot wait for part two of the demo to come out and I cannot oh. wait for the full game to come out I will be gone for a week as I finish it <laughs> so yeah that's what I've been Excellent. up to really what about you uh, just a couple of things, really. Um, I, I know that y'all are on Baldur's Gate 3 watch with me. Like, when is Joel going to finish? I am in the middle of the final battle. So I am on that home stretch. I have played through like every side character's storyline that I unlocked. I, I am like so invested in these characters' success and wanting them to like get their great experiences. So I'm looking for, I'm trying to finish that off and then hop to Final Fantasy. That's my yeah. Goal. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm curious. I was thinking yeah. about this. Do you are there any points in which things in the story didn't happen the way you wanted them to or that you envisioned for your characters? And are you like, do you dedicate and you're like, no, this is like the no looking back playthrough. I'm not going to go and try and like do it differently. Or are you mm-hmm. sort of to, because you love your character so much, kind of going into what we talked about last um, hangout with the community. Like if you love your characters that much, are you going back to like make sure they get the good endings and things? Interesting question. So uh, a couple of things. One, uh, for those of you who don't know, Baldur's Gate uh, playing off of like the D&D system you can try to do things in the dialogue. uh, And if it's like a risky thing, you roll dice. And if you don't get a certain number, that thing doesn't happen the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. And um, they balance that randomness with points of inspiration. So it's like, oh, I played my character really well. That means if a roll doesn't go the way I want it to, I can re-roll because I have that inspiration. Um, But in this house, we believe in dice Christ. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Dice Christ has a story to tell, and you have to respect Dice Christ. Um, so, which is a tongue-in-cheek way of saying that, like, if I have used all of the mechanical things I have within that dialogue option, and it's just like the dice aren't rolling for me the way I want, I will accept the outcome as like this is where the story wants to go, and I will allow it to go there. I definitely did do some save scumming, save scrumming. I can't remember what the mm-hmm. word is there. Um, as I was playing, um, when it was like, there was a specific item that I really wanted that I needed to like roll a certain thing for most of the story though, I think I've gotten to play the way that I wanted to. I don't know like how they did the balancing to make that happen, but like for the most part, there have been very few things that did not go the way that I wanted to, um, within that character's story. But like, to your point, um, you have a what feels like infinite options for how you can play these characters and it's kind of like i went in knowing 
how I wanted these character stories to go. Mm-hmm. Um, like which ones I wanted to kind of break bad a little bit and which ones I wanted to be like the ultimate hero and which ones I wanted to be a little bit more roguish. And so because I was playing that with like I had that in mind as I was playing, which I guess we'll kind of get into with Thirsty Suitors a bit. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I just tried to play true to how I envisioned those characters. And that has worked really well for me. It was just really satisfying. Yeah. Oh. I have to say, I I have been thinking more and more about Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I've been thinking like, maybe it's time I, maybe I hop in. But it's been long enough. I'm also now going through the conundrum of, do I continue the save that I started or do mm, I start mm-hmm. fresh? Uh, because I know I'm going in with essentially a blank slate <laughs> in terms of my memory. Um, well, since I'm rest- since I'm almost done with my run, I, I am going to be available if you want a, a person to hop online Ooh. with and uh, <laughs> and play through some of the the stickier strategy pieces. Some of it, I will admit, like if you don't know D anD D, I think some of it is kind of confusing and mm-hmm. not super intuitive. Um, but once you do get a feel for each character, it's like, oh, okay, I understand yeah. what's happening here. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, I'm so I I know all of us are eager to hear what happens. Uh, everyone is on the edge of their seat, biting their nails. Yeah, <laughs> it's very very cool. Um, I cannot wait for the the epic end to this journey oh, that you're on. Either. There have been some big surprises, so it's been fun. A um, couple of just like quick things. One, uh, I started the anime solo leveling, and there's like six or seven mm-hmm. episodes out at this point, and. Uh, it's actually kind of a very D flair it's like a magical gateways open up in modern world and uh monsters come spilling out but when that happened some humans also got like abilities like you have like fighter abilities you got magic oh. abilities so it's kind of like what if D invaded our world uh and then you have this one guy who's like well the 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 conceit is you are born with whatever powers you're going to have. You cannot get stronger. And the conceit of the show is one guy has the ability to get stronger oh. through effort and resolve. Wow. Um, which, you know, you gotta love, you gotta love anytime an anime is talking about a character's resolve. I'm just, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I will say you reminded me of an anime that I started watching, but I admittedly have not paid too close attention. It's kind of my, I'm going to put this on the second monitor as I do work mm-hmm. anime. Uh, it's a Netflix show called Delicious in Dungeon. Have you seen this oh, one? Yes. I watched the first step recently. What are oh you thinking? Oh my gosh. I, I'm like, I think I, I've only watched two or three. And again, it's kind of half watch, half listening, mm-hmm. but I love the premise. Uh, basically, this is a party of adventurers Kind of again, like in a video game or D and D setting, where they are adventuring down into the dungeon. Um, in the first episode, like right off the jump, they are presented with the the problem of the series, which is the sister of one of the party members is being is eaten by like a, a monster, a dragon or something, dragon, and they I have think, to yeah. get to back to her before she is like digested, so that they mm-hmm. can resurrect her and like bring her back into the party. And they. The struggle with this dungeon adventuring is that it's not even the difficulty of the monsters all the time. It's how much energy you have to get all the way to the bottom. Thus, everyone's in the in the game world or wherever they are always talking about food. And this party meets this sort of bearded character, this sort of like ornery man. <laughs> I don't even know what it, what he is really, but he's just this sort of grumpy adventurer who is old timey and is like kids these days don't know how to prepare good 
food using monsters. And so they basically learn how to use the monsters in the dungeon for these really unconventional off the wall dishes uh, instead of maybe more traditional foods that they would eat up in the inns and the taverns in their in their video game-esque town. And it's so fun. Uh, I don't know really, again, because I'm half watching it, like the characters, I don't even remember their names really. I just love looking over and seeing just the wild things that they're cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if I knew how to cook better, I would totally do dishes inspired by, like I see Binging with Babish, like doing a series uh-huh. inspired by this show. And so I'm excited to see more. But yeah, what, what did you think of the episode? Because you probably I actually- it was really attention. fun too. <sighs> yeah, I, I was really into it. I had a couple of friends reach out and ask if I was watching it. And yeah. Very much enjoying it. It's uh, the first episode was like cool action, but also like really humorous. And I love it. I just love humorous anime. That's like one of Mm -hmm. my favorite things. So really, really enjoyed it. Uh, And then the last thing on my list uh, is something I'm going to watch tonight. The newest season of Game Changer on Dropout uh, releases tonight. Uh, I finally got uh, Jenny to watch an episode or two with me of Game Changer. Yes. Um, we watched the Survivor episodes. We watched and the, more than a two. We watched a good mountain, chunk of Game Welcome to Mountport, uh, the musical episode. Uh-huh. Uh, God, it's just one of my one of my absolute favorite shows in all of television. And if you are not on Game Changer, you got you to gotta get on it. <laughs> it was... I I haven't watched improv in a long time and I will say it is so invigorating and inspiring to see people who are just that quick on their feet and able to react in these ways where they're like in total control. They know what's going on. I mean, if I were in a situation like that, trying to improv, I feel like I'd be this, what is the bull in the China shop where I'd just be like <laughs> saying things and throwing things out with no regard for what's going around around me and they're just so sharp i love it so yeah i've i've been also watching game changer because of your recommendations and cannot wait to watch more heck yeah so yeah that releases tonight very very excited for it nice um notable game releases this week mostly indie releases this week that i wanted to highlight um ultros Full disclosure, I work on Ultros, but I think if y'all like Metroidvanias, you should check it out. I also know everyone who listens, or a good chunk of us who listen to this podcast love a good time loop and philosophical conundrums and questions. Ultros Mm -hmm. has that in spades. So just, again, taking off the marketing hat, putting on the just fan of games hat, I think Ultros is one to check out. But again, marketing hat on, I am connected Uh, but ultras is coming out on the 13th on the playstation and pc lake which is a cozy game about um delivering mail (laughs) returning Mm. back home to your childhood home and delivering mail uh that's coming out on the switch hellskate which i think maybe you might be into uh joel this is a skateboarding action roguelite set in kind of a hades-esque underworld um so you've got like the Hades meets Tony Hawk vibe is kind of what oh, they're going love, for. What a great pitch. You yeah. sold me. <laughs> Hellskate, the early access is starting on the 15th on PC. Um, a Little to the Left, which is a wonderful organization puzzle game, is coming now to PlayStation and Xbox on the 15th. Please Touch the Artwork 2 is coming out on the 19th on PC. This one is basically you are just 
in this surreal world, you are messing with pieces of art, collecting and fixing damaged paintings. Um, it's just a quirky, fun game. I haven't played the demo, but I do know they have a demo if you want to give it a try. Um, Bellatro is coming out on the 20th. I also thought of you for Bellatro, Joel, because this is a poker roguelike. And apparently this is about playing like unconventional and sometimes illegal poker oh. hands like bending the rules of poker to play poker um i feel like this is right up your alley anyone who loves a good card game and breaking the rules i feel like should check this one out so it's called Bellatro. that actually reminds me in <laughs> the third book of the magician series if you uh -huh. by lev grossman which is one of my favorite series it's so good they have a card game called push and the way that you play between magicians is essentially you want the right card to show up when you flip it over. And so it's like, how can you cheat and like distort the odds that the right card shows up mm -hmm. using magic? So actually you are right. Like when I saw poker, <laughs> I was like poker. And then I saw like, you're essentially cheating to play poker. And I was like, now yep. we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last notable release um, for this week, it's coming out on the 20th as well, uh, Furnish Master, which is just like this sort of decorating sort of sandboxy game. It looks like you've got little sets that you can decorate. Um, I feel like the title could maybe, I don't know, I'm not a fan of their game's name to be very frank, but <laughs> um, I think they could have left like a, been a little bit more exciting, change it up a little bit, uh, but that's coming out and that's for anyone who likes decorating in games. Um, yeah. So as always, that's the pastry case. Feel free to write us uh, on via email, respond to the newsletter. That's an easy way to just get a response in. Uh, you can also post in the Discord if you would like to have anything brought up in here. So now Lovely. we are headed to this month's brew. We are playing Thirsty Suitors this month of February because what's what's a game in February without a little thirst? You gotta have it. It's it's the month of Valentine's Day, at least in you know the US um, and anywhere that celebrates commercial holidays, basically. Um, <laughs> But what we've talked through is how this game is not really your conventional dating sim. It's almost like an apology tour, a healing sim, uh, a healing an, an sim. undating uh, action game. You know, uh, well, we, there's so many ways undating. to describe it. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah, we have gone through the prologue, chapter one and chapter two. If you missed that discussion, you want to catch up, listen to last week's episode. And today we're going to start with chapter three titled her thighs are too powerful my god the and they are best. too the best title and yes her <laughs> thighs certainly are too powerful we meet i think which i'm very excited because i know we discussed in the hangout with the community just the other day and you were like i have feelings about this character mm -hmm. we meet a character named for this character <laughs> yeah. um we meet one of Jala's former flings, uh, and her name is Dia. Just you know the meme <laughs> that's like, stay strong, my brothers. Oh my like, God. that is how I felt playing this. It's like, I know I previewed this in the Hangout, but like, just to like jump to the end here, <laughs> I said last week that I am trying to play this game as though it's like, no, I'm dating myself and like, I'm all about healing. 
my God, Dia put that to the test. He's like, man, I want to romance this character so badly that I can't stick to my guns if I do. So it was like, I had to let it go. I had to let her go. It was so hard, but it was it was like the most conflicted I've ever been playing a game like this. This is character growth, Joel. We're here for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it felt like the opposite of that. It felt like ungrowth. It's like, you're just a base man of your base instincts. No, I will say meeting Dia, um, especially compared to the chapter four suitor that we focus on, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about, um, Irfan, I will have to say that if, Presented with these two, Dia, it's not about winning or losing, but Dia wins. <laughs> I'm just going to say <laughs> yes. That. Um, yeah, so let's let's actually set the scene, I suppose. Okay, let's, sorry, we've, sorry, we've, sorry, we've already sorry, gushed. Everyone. We have pr- we have prepped we everyone thirsted. to, yeah, every, we, everyone knows we're thirsty now. Um, <laughs> so oh, boy. what is really nice, again, about this game is that each chapter essentially is a day in the life of Jala. Mm-hmm. And so, God, it's just really easy for me to keep track of what's going on. Um, but as we start the day, uh, we always go downstairs and do cool like flip down the stairs and we talk to our parents um and we learn a little bit more about the wedding that's about to happen um and we learn a little bit more about Patti, our basically the matron of the family because she's ordered like clothes for everyone um and jala's kind of like what why is she getting to have all of the say in what like we're all wearing like she's not even here doesn't like aruni my sister get to have say in what's going on and so we already are feeling again that tension between especially the women of the family um and like this sort of power struggle that's like bubbling underneath yeah it was really interesting and you know they they mentioned that uh she's also paying for a big portion of the wedding and it's like very it feels kind of like an appeasement thing in a way and it's Mm -hmm. like you know, because I'm playing this and like I'm on the healing run, I'm doing the healing run this yes. time. I try to be like very like equanimical about it. I'm like, no, it's okay. Like at least I'm getting a sorry out of it, and that's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It's definitely one of those things where it's like, I am so excited to meet the sister at some point in this game and understand. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm actually like more interested in how she perceives family dynamics than I am even about the conflict between Jala and Aruni, the sister. Like at this point, I'm just like, mm. we know pretty much how Jala feels. I'm really curious to see where Aruni falls on yeah. like, the family dynamics. Yeah. Agreed. I think, um, again, because all we know of Aruni really is of also the narrator because the mm-hmm. narrator takes Aruni's form and we we don't know, but we also know it's probably relatively unreliable you know that this narrator i you know it's like this is this is aruni's imagined in jala's head it's like that has to be impacted by what jala feels about aruni it's like so i'm really curious what is aruni actually even going to be like in general because we don't know (laughs) we've never met her yet we haven't found her I mean, since we're on this topic, mm-hmm. I, I do think at the beginning of chapter four, there's like a text exchange, a really brusque one. And you see yes. her character icon yes. and she looks very different than yeah. the narrator sister in her head. And I was like, it was like a gasp moment for me. I was so taken aback because 
every character in this game looks fly as fuck. Like even the dads rocking the fade. Like <laughs> it, like these characters look cool. Auntie C looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And then when you see the avatar for the sister in real life, it looks very like normal, straight laced, whatever. And I was like, this cannot be the narrator sister with like the purple hair and the, like everything going on. I was like, yeah. she looks so cool in her imagination. And I was like, whoa, what, what is happening in this like real life avatar right. thing? Right. So interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. Cause it's like in one way, you know, it, it's like, I wonder how, like, is this Jala's is this Jala like thinking highly of her sister, like in my mind, like this is how cool you are and this is how you look. Um, but also I'm curious about how, like how closely does the narrator's voice and what Jala is thinking in her head actually aligns with how her sister would really interact with her and how her sister would really mm. talk to her. Uh, so yeah, I think keeping an eye on that is something I I would definitely like to do as we continue in the game. Yeah. So you come down, you have this conversation. Um, I don't know how you engaged with Sergio in the previous yeah. day. Did you get a text from him? I did. Okay. Again, I'm in my healing run. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. about to thirst. I'm trying, I'm trying not to thirst mm-hmm. over everyone. Mm-hmm. And with Sergio, I genuinely, I'm like, I, you don't even know me. Like you knew third grade me, maybe. You um, third grade me. But I do think thir- Sergio is one of those characters who, yeah he's super annoying (laughs) like he needs to have someone help tone things down and like maybe tell Mm -hmm. him how to maybe interact in a more appropriate way but his heart is in a really good place and so I very much wanted to be Sergio's friend and so when you get the text to like hey can you make me this dish I was like heck yeah of course I'll do it so what about you Yeah, I also chose to make the dish Mm -hmm. and it was interesting. I was actually going to ask you about this. If like one of the things that we've observed with like this game and with Venba is just how important the act of making food is. And that when you're making food, like when we talked about Venba, like the mother of the family who was like her choosing to make food for her family was a critical part of how she displays love and Mm -hmm. affection for them. And so one of my questions when when I agreed to do it was like, is there any way to do this without like sending romantic signals to right. Sergio? Um, and even when you start, I think the your mom kind of gives you <laughs> yeah. a hard time about it. I don't know if it happened to you. It did. Yeah. She's like, who, who, who are you making this for? A friend? Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like she definitely gives you that. <laughs> So with a bit of trepidation, I did make make the food. Uh, I think it was like sambal, right? Um, yeah, it's like, I think it's ket sambal. Is that what it's pronounced? Yeah. Yep. And I, uh, again, like I, when I started the game, I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to do much of the cooking game. Like it's probably not something I'm going to spend time on. But I love the cooking mini game. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy it. So yes. I was like. Heck yeah. Let's dig in. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I I did too. At first, I wasn't quite sure because, you know, from the jump, it's a bit overwhelming because you are going mm-hmm. through quick time actions. You have a wheel that you can spin. You don't know the balance between, you know, when should you spend the heat versus when should you focus on maybe getting the actions done and just focusing on stars. But once you kind of figure out your own rhythm and what works best for you in that, oh, it feels so good. I also, I think out of all of the 
mechanics they experiment with in this game. I think cooking is probably the one where I'm like, I wish we even leaned more into it. I mm. wanted more cooking. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit because this has been a big conversation point in the Discord as well in terms of mechanics and how they align to the intended thematic goal of the game, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with the turn-based battles. So we'll, we'll probably be digging into that in the future. But uh, I feel like out of everything, the cooking best illustrates the actions I feel like the game wants us to do as well as the intentions of building these relationships. Because that's when you get to talk to your parents and like you really get the opportunity to hear them out and uh, things don't always succeed with like the compliments you throw them, but it's, it feels so much less combative because it's not, it's not, it's cooking. You're aggression and your moves are kind of being funneled into the act of something else that's not directly towards the person you're conversing with, which I think is much more mm. effective. That is so insightful. Yeah, you're you're totally right. And like it, they've I don't know how they did it, but they managed to abstract the motions uh, to those like tactile experiences you're doing with your fingers. Mm -hmm. And apart from having to spin the left joystick, which I absolutely hate, <laughs> it all feels very good. Like I yeah. don't, I, I think I mentioned, like, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's like, I'm not great at rhythm games. I enjoy them. I'm just not very good at them. And mm -hmm. this has been like a really good experience for me with like the rhythm, the rhythm piece. So yeah, nice. I hats off to the team that made this. This is really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you you have the opportunity to do this side quest with Sergio. I will say, um, <laughs> obligatory Evangelion reference. Did you catch it? <laughs> no. What was it? So if when you go and deliver uh, the dish to Sergio, uh, in the diner there are just people from the town that are sitting at the booths. You can talk, you know, can talk to them, overhear their conversations, and the ones that are right across from the sort of the bar top and cat stools. Um, they are talking about Evangelion and Jala even mentions like, get in the robot, Chinji. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I missed that. Yeah. Um, so that was just a really funny moment because I'm like, I swear, I think we've at least a third to a half of our episodes have mentioned Evangelion in some way. Like there has yeah, to be some sort true. of tracker at some point. Um, <laughs> so that's just our obligatory Evangelion reference. Um, yeah, but hey, can I, can I ask you Yeah. at that opening scene when you're mm -hmm. cooking, did you have a moment where the narrator popped up while you were talking to your mom and you kind of had an acknowledgement that the mom cannot hear the narrator in your head? Yes. Did that happen? Yeah. Which is like right after the night before when you'd been talking with Tyler and she can hear the yeah. narrator voice in your head. Yeah. What do you make of that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I my guess is so far um, that it maybe has to do with how well do, does the person actually like maybe read your emotions. So I know like because mom and Jala love each other, but there there is difficulty in communicating they don't see eye to eye they have a hard time getting each other's point across without having it feel a bit either defensive or off-putting in some way like they struggled with communication I feel like the way I'm playing and reading it Tyler despite our really up and down history mm -hmm. like 
we were best friends. We know each other. And I think that ability to kind of going back to what we discussed in the community uh, to hang out last week where we were talking about seeing each other. I think Tyler sees us in ways that our mom doesn't, which is why she's able to access and somehow read uh, whether in our face or actually hear the voice in our head. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Like one of those, like she knows you better than you know yourself kind of yeah. situations versus yeah. the mom who like has built up this image of Jala Mm-hmm. That is maybe not who Jala really is. Like yeah. wants her to be this like disrespectful, whatever kid. And it's like, she's just doing her best, man. Yeah, exactly. Or not even, not even wants her to be, but has like expected her to be that after, yeah. a, after years of mm-hmm. having it happen, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I'm curious, <sighs> did, what, so what did you have as like a theory or hypothesis on that? Uh, no, I, I actually liked yours. I, I was just, I took a note that I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Like mm-hmm. I, and it's now something I'm going to be looking out for is like, are there other characters as we go through this that will mm-hmm. or will not be able to interact or acknowledge the narrator voice uh, in the head? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's just really interesting. And I, it was like a, a subtle, but really cool way to, indi- to, to send that message. I think, I think the, the way you framed it is makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone else, if you've noticed that, if you have thoughts, let us know, um, put it in the discord, put it in the comments, send us an email. Uh, mm-hmm. so you head over, cause I think you, you get a text, you, you're supposed to go over to Soundy, uh, the bear <laughs> in the skate park. Um, you do another battle with another teenager, which I think is kind of hilarious, honestly, when you're just like, I will say it doesn't feel great to do like a taunt to a kid, like a heartbreak taunt to a kid. Uh I'm like, it doesn't feel that good. I understand it's a game and we're going to suspend some of that, you know, real world. She even says something like, well, I, because of this, I gave up on my dream. Like because of being in this gang, I gave up on my dreams. And it's just like, why are you in a gang that's forcing you to give up on your dreams like just the battle the battle piece of the skaters just does not make sense to me yeah i really get it for the exes it makes a lot of sense yep but doing it with the with the teenagers i just it doesn't it doesn't connect with me i don't get it same i am finding myself unsure because there is this in theory really compelling story happening with the city and Mm -hmm. um like what's going on with the identity of the city and what's happening there Mm -hmm. but i don't know how it ties in to jala and her personal journey other than she really loves to skateboard too and used to hang out there so i have no idea like how is this part of jala's journey I don't know. And it feels kind of, this is the part that I feel like if I had to edit out any segment, at least for, mm-hmm. uh, up until this mm-hmm. point, maybe later it comes yeah. in a bit stronger and like totally. ties in up until this point, this is the part where I'm like, I am the least interested in this part. Um, and I don't find myself feeling like it's com- adding to the rest of the story and like my knowledge of Jala. I, I also don't get that like, 
I've won every battle and I'm trying to be like caring as I do it. Mm -hmm. And at the end, all the kids, like they end up hating me and it's like, well, yeah, yeah, I would, you just fought me. Like, why would I like you or like want to leave this cult after I fought you? Like, I just, I don't get that. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I noticed, I didn't respond, but there, when you go to the skate park after delivering food to Sergio, you can read a text from him where mm-hmm. he also is concerned about a kid at the skate park. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if there is, if every ex is going to have some connection to the skate park with, and like a concern about a kid that's there or something like mm-hmm. that. Like maybe there's something happening there. That's kind of my prediction right now. I don't know, but. Right. I also didn't pursue and try to save that kid because I'm so <laughs> uninterested in fighting teenagers. Really? So. <laughs> I did it um, because I think what Sergio, which I thought was quite, quite heartwarming, Sergio is a volunteer dance teacher at the community center. And so the kid that he tutors, that's the one that you go to for the skate park. Um, But yeah, Mm. it it was just kind of another battle that felt like it was sort of for the sake of having a battle. And you're kind of like, well, how does this tie into the greater picture? And I'm not seeing it yet. So I think that's the thing that I'm going to be trying to keep an eye out for. Again, I think if it was, it feels almost like this could have been a, like a, as it stands, it could have been maybe a DLC or like a post game mm. thing where it's like once you've gone through the suitors, maybe you could also go through Soundy's dilemma. But I, I, yeah, we'll see how it ties in as we continue. Maybe there's some, like you said, some thread that we're missing currently. <sighs> Speaking of threads, I'm going to backtrack just a little because there are a couple of important things that uh, came to mind that I think we should discuss. Mm -hmm. Um, The first is in the morning when you're making food or about to make food, if you talk to the mom, there's kind of a hint that the mom played a role in whatever is in between you and your sister that she actively did something that is part of the wedge that has happened here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't write down what the quote was that made me think that, but I was wondering if you had read something similar into that, if it's something that you had picked up on at all. I don't think I read it to that extent. I think my reading was more of, oh, and I'm trying to think of what you could be mentioning because my reading is less that she did something specific, but more that by not helping, she is just further, she's not mm-hmm. helping at least close the gap, uh, which we kind of talked about, talked about last week, where I think it's just interesting that they're doing not so much to like heal this um, and they're letting it kind of go. Uh, yeah. But I don't think, I would love to know what quote, because I i don't think I picked up on that. Shoot, I wish I would have written it down. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't take good enough notes in my game journal, no. everyone. I'm so, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then the other thing is like, I just as you're on your way to the skate park, it struck me that um, it doesn't feel like we're looking very hard for the system. No. <laughs> <laughs> did this hit you at all? It or did. It's like, okay, the first day I kind of got it and like the things that you had to do and the errands you had to run. It's like, okay, I get it. But like, this is not a big town. And it strikes me as odd that it's like, oh, I have to go to Soundies and deliver this food. Oh, I have to go to the skate park and fight this teenager. It's like at any point you could just like 
skate around and look or ask questions to people like you know what the venue is you can like it seems like there should be a way to do some sleuthing here it just made me think like maybe it's one of those like i really know that i need to do this but subconsciously it's like i'm not really letting myself yeah i think that's that's like sort of the reading and i think it's perhaps it's like the gracious way to read into that like Mm -hmm. uh i think and that's where i decided my brain would go is like hey this is one of the things where you know you need to do it. You know mm-hmm. it's the right thing. But instead, you're going to do everything else on your to-do list and even add a few things to your to-do list so you don't have to do the thing. <laughs> so, But I agree. I was like oh, – and I'm also – I was a little confused because, like, she's not in the town. Like, she doesn't live with her family. Aruni doesn't live in the same house as right. her parents. So it's like, is she in the same town? Is she – if she is, yeah, ostensibly you should see her as you're skateboarding around so um yeah even yells at you for going to the diner in chapter four right so it's like there's this element of yeah it is kind of weird because you're in such a small area you'd think that you'd run into her even if by accident (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that kind of struck me as you're actually leaving the skate park and Mm -hmm. i failed to convert a teenager out of the cult um (laughs) and tyler starts yelling at you for not being able to get teenagers out of the cult which is like why would i be able to do that i (laughs) i'm not like together as a person um but there were again just kind of some offhanded comments i think i mentioned how hard i was looking for a rooney to tyler Mm -hmm. and Tyler said something, and again, I wish I would have written this down, but like it made me wonder if there's some tension or history between Tyler and Aruni that we don't know about yet. That was something else that I was just kind of like, ooh, is there some, is something going on here? Like there was some passive, maybe passive aggressive comment that got made by Tyler that made me wonder. Interesting. I don't know. And I wonder if maybe that was based on some of the choices in responses, because I don't Mm. think I got anything like that nothing that i that i jotted down in my notes um yeah i'm looking and i don't see anything written down about aruni and tyler so i'm very intrigued by that i'll have to to keep an eye out okay well i'll keep playing i'll play into that and see if i can get some more details out of my run yeah um but then we get a text from one (sighs) one dia (laughs) who uh you know you see the silhouette and you're like okay like Sure. Cute. I'm sure you're cute. And then you go into you like go into the the bar, I guess, the town mm-hmm. pub, whatever it is, yep. um, which, again, is being, uh, I guess, supervised, manned by one of the teenagers. I guess not teenager because you probably have to be 21 to work behind a bar. So yeah. I guess a young adult um, who, again, hates you and is like, oh, gross, mm-hmm. you're here. Dio's over there like go away I don't like you I'm just like god everyone in this town hates me uh and you see Dia for the first time and my god Dia is just hot and Dia is not very happy for you (laughs) an absolute smoke show she is also a rocker like rock star yes person yeah uh her transformation battle image is like rad as hell and sexy and i was just like 
blown away by this character i was like i don't know that i've been this immediately into a character in a game like ever yeah she gives off like like um what is it crystal like it's a mix of magical girl meets like crystal gem sort of superhero meets rock um Mm -hmm. just like the best of everything combined into one yeah dia is amazing um but again dia The description for her, which I love, is the kind of girl your mother warned you about. She's looking for revenge or maybe a date, possibly both, (laughs) which is so good. Take me, Um, Dia. It's okay. I'll give you both. Yes. Um, (laughs) um, What's really interesting is there, so where Sergio's relationship began in third grade, uh, Dia's Mm -hmm. history with Jala really happened more in the middle school years. Um, And This was super fascinating to me because this was a secret romance between Mm -hmm. the two of them. Um, In Dia's like imaginary inner sanctum, I guess, battle arena, um, she has these two crystal like warriors almost um, that are almost like like the sort of side friends, like in Mean Girls, I guess. I thought instantly of Mean Girls and how you have like your Regina George. <laughs> oh, the head I wish of I would have thought of that. Yeah, it's You're like the right. head of the clique. And then you have the two side characters and the side friends who are there to like affirm her. Um, it was mm-hmm. very also Mean Girls was channeled in this in a, in a way that I very much enjoyed. Yeah, I so maybe we should kind of like lay out the chronology of relationships with Dia and Tyler and Irfan, which we were, we'll meet in the next chapter. Yeah, um, because I think it's it's really important to understanding some of the the relationship dynamics there. Mm-hmm. Um, so check me if I get this right. So, yeah. uh, Dia, like the first thing that happens is Dia and Irfan date. Like they are they are an item. The next thing that happens is uh, Dia is bullying Tyler at school. The next thing that happens is you, Jala, go to intervene in the bullying, (laughs) presumably, and end up after we don't know how long this went on, but eventually you end up joining kind of a a secret rock band with her and starting a secret relationship with her, uh, with Dia. Eventually, you uh, stop being romantic with her to be romantic with Tyler. And it sounds like you did not communicate that. You did not end that things cleanly. Like, there may have been some cheating happening there. Um, And then you end up cheating on Tyler with Irfan. Yes. Is this is am I getting the the order of operations here correct? I think so. And kind of like with Dia, I think the messiness happened also with Tyler where it's like you didn't like you did not communicate even a real breakup time cuz I think yeah, there wasn't an official like we're done Tyler. I'm with mm-hmm. Irfan now. It's all of a sudden, oh no, I'm I'm just like with Irfan and Tyler's just left in the dust like Dia. But yes. what was different was I think and this is important to note, Tyler and Jala, I think there was a line that was oh, I forget who said it, but someone mentioned how Tyler and Jala were like no, Dia mentions it. Tyler and Jala were like the couple. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they were 
like the couple to look at. And so that's also where Dia was a bit powerless to even say anything because it's like there's so many elements that, you know, she's kind of up against. Um, yeah, it is messy. <laughs> oh, such good mess. And then, But I think uh, one of the reasons that she couldn't talk about it is because she was not out to her parents because yes. her parents would not be accepting. Yes. And then we learn like tragically um, – when she eventually does come out to her parents, they essentially like ostracize her, like cut Mm -hmm. her out. Like, um, which will come up in chapter four when you learn about like how Jala came out to her parents and like Mm -hmm. what that experience was like. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought this was one of those. I thought this battle was like the right amount of challenging. It for me was the first battle that I was like, okay, like I'm having fun doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's interesting complexity with like working with her, working with Dia and then like the little crystal characters and how they yeah. interplay with, with her powers. But for me, it was the first time where the battle I felt really served the experience of understanding the relationship between these two. I agree. I think I also feel like I may have been over leveled at this point because I don't think I like after the first chapter because I did a bunch of gifter griffs. Oh, I think okay. that helped me in the second chapter. And in this, I I feel like I haven't had the sl- it's slower going, but I don't think I've had as slow of a chug through the battles. Um, but I do feel it. And I do feel like this was the first one, though, that the story felt compelling enough also that Mm -hmm. even though the battle was taking some time, I was wanting to hear more and I was okay doing like the quick time stuff in between because it made sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Dia is super fascinating to me because also you get the impression that on the surface, she is a character and a, a person who in middle school was the cool girl, had everything together, like, you know, on surface level, everything looked great. And on the inside, she definitely was unable to be herself, unable to express herself. And I think the amount of hurt that happened Mm -hmm. when Jala basically Mm -hmm. had this relationship with her and didn't allow her to even like end it properly uh, and grieve it in a way, my God, especially at middle school, like middle school drama sticks with you. Elementary school. Actually, I have a person in elementary school that I like if I saw them, I'd be like, do you remember when you pushed me on the playground? Like there was one person in elementary school. Mm-hmm. In middle school, that when you are also re- like f- finagling and wondering and discovering your sexuality and you're doing mm-hmm. it secretly and you're afraid to come out, like that is that is traumatizing in a lot of ways, I could imagine. And I can see why Dio, even as an adult, would hold on to that because that is a pivotal foundational romantic experience that did not end well. Um, so I found myself really feeling for Dia in this, um, just yeah. as a character. 100%. I actually think that's probably a good segue to talk about like the next morning. Like yeah. as you come downstairs, uh, you have your kind of task to cook with dad. And uh, <laughs> first of all, what a, what a great experience what a great that is. Experience. Um, but through that, you learn a lot more about the coming out experience for Jala mm-hmm. uh, and like how the parents came to be where they are. Um, and it was just it was such a great way to tell this story. Yeah. Um, the way that it started for me, at least, is you begin cooking and uh, you you're, you essentially ask 
after talking about like running into Dio, like, hey, like, did you get some help from from Aunt C, Auntie C, uh, mm-hmm. before I came out? And he's like, yeah, I got a little bit of coaching beforehand. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like the family's like looking out. That's so yeah. cool. Um, I don't know what you chose for how you how you came out. Yeah, I chose the like I got caught uh, making out with Tyler on the bed, and yes. my parents walked in. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, that definitely is. Uh, I'm trying to find what I wrote down. Um, I think the options are like no matter what. Uh, yeah, you have that happen. Like I think that's for sure everyone gets caught with Tyler making out oh, okay. but then you gotcha. pick the options which i thought was really interesting um none of the options were negative which i thought was awesome the options yeah. were that you laughed you hugged me or you made mom give us the talk <laughs> and so i think what's really nice is you um in picking how your parents react it still does not deviate from the fact that they were accepting from the jump um of what was going yeah. on I loved that. Yeah. I chose the hug route. I went hug hug route. Uh, yeah, the route that me I went. too. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there was like one of my favorite pieces of dialogue is like, he's like, I'm not even sure who cried first. And then the narrator's like, he cried first. Yeah. So I have, um, <laughs> if you're looking to get a hashtag started, dad cried first uh, is what I have chosen for nice. the hashtag of this game. Uh <laughs> I just, it was such a cool story. And then he also like, there's a moment talking about how at first he was not accepting of Auntie C and how yeah. like it was a, 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 he had to grow in order to get there. Um, and as a person that was raised in like super fundamentalist stuff, like it wasn't until I was probably like 17, 18 that I was able to like check myself on that type of stuff. Mm. It's like when you are raised in a culture that where like this particular like, lived experience is completely invalidated it takes intentional work to move through it and mm-hmm. so like the fact that they talked about that and uh you know told the story of like possibility i thought was so important that like it is your responsibility to learn what you need to learn and unlearn what you need to unlearn <clears throat> and like the fact they 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 use that and they use like the hook if you will of like you he has a great relationship with his daughter now and Mm -hmm. it's like almost like a carrot like this is like when you are able to do that learning the richness of relationships that you get to continue to have is a huge benefit of that and I thought it was just like a really beautiful way to do that yeah it's and it's really nice because you see you kind of see the mirroring of what Jala perhaps is going through now in terms of unlearning the parts about yourself that you realize aren't fostering those healthy relationships and fostering your ability to like love the people that you care about and like truly Mm -hmm. accept them for who they are. I think you see Jala going through this journey a little bit. um, And it's nice to see that dad has also modeled that ability to change and grow and like accept and forgive and like within himself, Mm -hmm. um, that his prior beliefs. Uh, it also just going back to what you were talking about and asked me last week where you're like, Hey, what is the, what is the story of the parents? Like, how are we embracing sort of what we know about games Mm. that, uh, dive into immigrant stories in particular? And like, how are we both embracing the stuff that we know and have experienced, but also 
trying to find ways to make sure it's nuanced portrayals. I think this is a really good example of that oh, where that's a great call out. you're just not, you're not seeing families that are um, this sort of stereotype of, ah, this is the unchanging family. Mm. You know, it's like, ah, this isn't how we did things back in the home country. But instead you're seeing, okay, this is a family that has gone through challenge and learning and growing. And I love that they showcase that because um, that is a very real oh, part so of the experience. <laughs> I'm so glad you called that out. I often forget the things that I talk about the moment we finish <laughs> recording. And so, uh, yeah, that's a really, really great point, Jenny. I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, um, that also pairs with how I dealt with the Irfan uh, battle, actually. Yes. Um, oh. So like contextually, like after you finish cooking with dad, you go downtown and you find the bear cult leader in the sewers. You do, which is another like, what is happening? It's just the what? the only re- for me. I'm just like, it's the avenue of them making sure you can skate in the village. Like that is the <laughs> only thing that really makes sense. Um, I will say, the dad does mention just on the sewer note, yeah, that he and Auntie C ran away to the sewers after they got busted. Yeah, like stealing a or like joyriding on a golf cart or something like that yes which is so what's you the learn, deal with the sewers <laughs> i know what is going on in this town i will say you learn a lot about just throughout the chapters your dad and mom being like way more rebellious than they ever would give off which i mm-hmm. love because mm-hmm. it's like you know you know your parents had lives before they had you and it's like what did they do and yeah right they did they had lives <laughs> and so it's um i love that you get tastes of that quite a bit. Um, but before we go into our Irfan battle, conversation battle, I will say mm-hmm. you do get a text from Aruni where she does explicitly state and creates that boundary of I will find you when I am ready to talk. Um, and so maybe to also call back what you were talking about earlier with like, hey, we're not even looking for Aruni. Well, Aruni ends up doesn't want to be found anyways. So we have to be patient at this point. So which leaves us the bandwidth to go see another one of our past flings. <laughs> yes. So um, I think the the Irfan battle I was extremely frustrated by. Um, I have not done any gift or griffs. So like my character is probably under leveled, which is why they're mm-hmm. forcing me to do these skate park battles. Um, I actually had to restart the Irfan battle a couple of oh, times wow. because I died. And it was such a long battle anyway. You had to fight the cat. You had to fight him. You had to fight the cat again. It's just like a long thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I took out of it that I thought was really, um, at least for how I've been playing this character, that I thought was really interesting. Irfan's kind of one of those characters that is not honest with himself about his feelings. And he projects yes. a lot onto others, not his cat and things like that, instead of just engaging with how he feels mm-hmm. uh, who can relate to that um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but one of the things that he asked me at the end of the battle is like if it was real for you if you actually cared for him and i chose to go with the route that like i did care for you but there were it was also in part like that there were these societal pressures and so i thought i needed to like be with you as a mm-hmm. part of that uh, because i felt like that was true to the like it's great that that her parents were really accepting, but like it's still the world that we live in. And I think to ignore those societal pressures in a mm. game or not like notice them is a, a disservice to the people that have to deal with these very real societal pressures every day. So mm-hmm. um, that was something that I chose that I thought was um, 
maybe uh maybe something that like kind of kept me in character as a part of this but i'm curious to know like if there were any standout choices that you had during that battle um yeah i think one of the things irfan is one of those types of people where i i personally would get very frustrated with him like if i encountered him in real life um there was a line that he said that was like you like you turned me into a cheater and i have to admit i was like jala was not in the right like the way i played Mm -hmm. it jala had kissed irfan because he was crying because his dad was sick um, mm-hmm. And Jala's like basically was a teenager and hormones took over and like that was just messy, but it's what happened. And I was like, Jala's not in the right, but I feel like I was really frustrated with Irfan because I'm like, you also yeah. could have said this is not the time. You also could have said no, like you have an element of free will. And I feel like it's not fair to Jala despite her not being the best person um yep. at that oh, point i did not time. let him slide with that either yeah i was like, I was uh-uh. like that made me really frustrated um and i completely agree with your assessment where you know his his inability to face what he's actually feeling um is it, it was a point of frustration for me and made me i think less patient almost than with sergio in a way like i feel like he frustrated me the most out of the three suitors we've met so far yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then you end up, uh, so you you kind of go through this battle. For mm-hmm. me, it was frustrating. Uh, and the output is, oh, and my sister hates you. And also <laughs> she's at the skate park. And also now you have to go fight my sister who's a t- teenager. And it's just like, what are we doing here? I, I, I like the battle thing just makes a lot of sense to me for the exes, especially like the Scott Pilgrim thing. And it's like a fun way to like work out your frustration and the drama. Right. I get it. I just don't get battling teenagers. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> so if y'all get it, if y'all understand why we're fighting teenagers in a sk- skate park in our late 20s, uh, get in the comments because I am missing something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also am very confused. Like the battle with, um, Irfan's sister, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I will say just to kind of close out our discussion on these two chapters. One thing I really appreciated, despite not necessarily enjoying how the turn-based battles translate to what I feel like is the intent of reconciliation. I feel like they, mm-hmm. they're a bit at odds, um, I appreciate at the end of every battle, we haven't had the same reaction from each character in the sense that we were reconciling, but it does look different for everyone with Dia. She's very explicit about how she says, you know, I'm over you and I actually don't want any of my energy to be focusing on you anymore. Um, You know, I'm kind of ready to like discover myself and be true to myself in a way that I haven't mm-hmm. been able to because I've been focusing on this in the past. Um, Irfan is much more like, I just want to be friends. Like, can we just be buddies? And I'm happy now that I can share my feelings and let's do this. Um, I appreciate that they all have different reactions and some are more ready to be friends, some aren't. And I think that yeah. feels more um, relatable and real to me than oh, we had the battle and everything's kosher now. Like everything's Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) So I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I am eager to see, because you also get like those little like side stories of how the exes are relating with each other at the end of each night. And that's like, I think a really interesting insight too into how the exes are 
finishing the drama with you and like how they feel afterwards. Mm-hmm. I will say uh, one of the questions was like, why hasn't uh, I forget who asked in the discord, but someone's like, man, y'all need to let this stuff go. <laughs> like, what are we all doing? Hanging on to elementary school and middle school relationships. I think um, one thing I wanted to throw out was the fact that this is a small town. Small if y'all town. have not lived in a small town, <laughs> Things do not get let go. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> so um, I will say I agree to an extent. I'm like, yeah, I, like you, you should probably, if you're hoard, like hanging on to that, um, maybe examine and let it go if you can. But also if you live in a small town, I think there is a very strong dynamic of like remembering everything that's mm. happened to you in every slide. Um, so, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's such a fun time. I'm super enjoying this game. Uh, Dia, give me the people and freed my soul and <laughs> made me get lost in her rock and roll. So uh, that was great. And um, any any kind of housekeeping for us? Yes. Just for anyone who is wanting to follow along, make sure they've played this next section before we have the podcast episode discussing it. Next week, we will be talking about three chapters chapters five, six, and seven. Um, just for timekeeping, I think generally, if you're cruising through the chapters, if you're generally getting through battles uh, okay, I think it'll take about 40 minutes per chapter. So like, it's a nice way to, if you want to break out, do one chapter each night, you know, for an hour, 40 minutes, or 40 minutes to an hour each, that's about the time you should estimate. Uh, but that's it for for housekeeping. Well, thank you so much, as always, for joining us at Geeks and Grounds. Hop in those comments. Let us know what you're thinking about Thirsty Suitors. Uh, and while you're doing that, uh, may the the hot bevy of your choice that's quenching your thirst uh, not lead to any psychodrama battles in your day-to-day life. Cheers Bye. to that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>